welcome back to the Basketball Coaches Roundtable. Today we have Coach Tobin Anderson from Division II St. Thomas Aquinas College in Rockland County, New York. Coach Anderson, thank you so much for being a, a guest of the roundtable. Um, I'll just quickly go around for you and introduce everybody and then they'll reintroduce themselves when they're, um, when they're going to ask you your questions. So you have, you have Chris Ballerini, who's uh, the head coach of DeWitt Clinton High School. You have Alex Mirabel, the head coach of St. Peter's Prep in Jersey City and the 17U Dominican team. Uh, Dakota Stabile, uh, former assistant coach at Concordia College and also a former assistant coach with me at Tuckahoe High School. You have uh, L. Green from BCAM, which is uh, a PSAL school in Brooklyn. And then you have Dan Murphy from Monmouth University. And me, well, I'm just a coaching free agent. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the first question that, that I have for you is um, now that you've been at Stack for seven years, um, when, you know, being a Rockland County guy myself, I, there wasn't much around stack basketball. I mean, to be honest, it was always about the school about a mile and a half up the road with Dominican. Um, so when you were taking over the program, you know, and developing it, what were some of the principles and philosophies that you knew you needed to have in your program to get it to where it is now as a, you know, an NCAA tournament team? You know, it's like how, how much of that was taken from your previous stocks? How much of that was just developed on your own? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a long, it's a long, you know, it's a long answer because there's a lot, there's so, so much going into it. So yeah. what helped me, I, I've been a college head coach. First of all, my dad was a coach. My dad was a high school coach for, um, you know, for my whole life. He coached me in high school. So I was going to practice when I was like, you know, two years old or, three years old and just, just tagging along. And so I was around basketball my whole life. I went to clinics. I saw John Wooden speak. I saw Morgan Wooten speak. I saw Pat Summit. So I was, a, I was around basketball my whole life. And so I, I had that extra benefit of being you know, really involved in, in everything. So then I was a, you know, then I was a, um, at Clark, I was a head coach at Clarkson for five years and Hamilton for seven years, division three. So I had 12 years of head coaching experience. Um, then I went to be an assistant at Siena for two years. And that was a great thing because I went from being a head coach to being an assistant. And when you're a head coach and the guys who have been head coaches on here know it's like it's, it can be crazy because all the, all the pressures on you, all the, all the responsibilities on you, it's hard to, to, to not be emotional. It's hard to sit back and just kind of like, well, I can, you know, I can, I can look at things in a neutral way. I'm, I'm all, you're always so, you know, you blame yourself so much. It's, it's, it's just miserable. So the two years as an assistant, I was able to um, – kind of see things I was doing wrong as a head coach pr prior to my, my, to, 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 to be an assistant. So that I was there for two years. We didn't get, we didn't get it turned around at Siena. And then I went to stack. I was, I was a free agent like you've been, I was a free agent for, um, for the spring. It was not a, not a fun time in my life. And I thought I was, you know, it could be out of coaching. I had to find something. I ended up going to St. Thomas. And like you said, it was an off, you know, it was not a good program. They'd won, they'd won, I think 16 games in the, in the prior three years combined five, there were five and 25. But beyond that, they just didn't have, like, they had, you know, kids were in trouble. It wasn't like they were good kids. Kids were in trouble. Kids that were, were not hard workers. So we had to, to develop a work ethic first and foremost. We had, to, we, had to, we had to put that work ethic together. We had to, like, came from, from me, and I, I hired an associate head coach right when I got the job, who, who I knew from, from, from being my assistant coach at Clarkson and Hamilton, Matt Capel, who's great. He's, he's still with me, which is amazing. 
we've been together for, for now for oh, geez, seven, nine, ten years. As um, he's been my top assistant, and that I could, the the value of having a great staff is so a, a great staff and also a great chemistry within your staff is so important. So he came on board. So I was fighting my battles with him as opposed to just by myself. Like he knew what I was coming from. He knew what, how he wanted to do things, and so we had to get a work ethic going. We had to gather as much information as possible. And that's the thing when you go to a place like, like you, haven't, you haven't been to before, you got to find out what the problems are, like why they haven't won. Is it institutional? Is it, is it, is it because of um, they're not working hard enough? Is it bad players? Is it, is it facilities? All that kind of stuff. So I had to ask a lot of questions and, and listen to a lot of people. And one thing that helped me a lot from being a, going from being a head coach to an assistant, I became a better listener. I think that's one thing I would, I've learned a lot um, as I've gotten older is like to, to listen more and talk less. And so I got the job at St. If I got a job, next job I get, if I, if I ever get one, get one again, the next place, I'm just going to go and listen for like the first week because you gain so much information by just, Hey, tell me about what's the, what the, you know, what, why didn't you win? Like, why, what were the problems? Like, why were you not, why were you not good enough? Why, you know? And I think sometimes bad jobs are good jobs to take because the, when you get there, they want to win. Kids want to win. The hardest jobs sometimes are places where they've won for a long time. And they're used to doing things a certain way. And you're like, well, I want to change this. Well, why would you change? We've been winning 25 games a year. So um, I found the kids to be, to be receptive. They wanted to win. And that helped a lot because they were like, you know, what's happening here is not good right now. We need, we need to change our work ethic. We need to change how we do things. Um, we, had to, we, we changed everything from a physical standpoint. We changed the locker room, right? We, we changed the locker room. We changed – we got new practice jerseys. We got we got we got them t-shirts. We got everything we could do to make to like. And I had a guy who wanted to stay on and be my assistant coach. Was like a volunteer guy. He's a nice guy. He actually worked on campus. And I just said I, I can't keep you because I want to change everything. I don't want. I, I'm sure you'd be great for the program. It should be awesome. But I, I don't want the guys to walk in the locker room feeling like hey, there's a part of what happened before still with us. I wanted like the whole thing had to change, you know. And obviously you have you have budget issues. You can't go in. And you can't buy you know, all brand new uniforms and stuff like that. But we did as much as we could ourselves to change the locker room, clean the locker room, put up a new whiteboard, put up new – my office became like we, we changed – put up motivational we – we had quotes. We went to a place and got posters made up, posters about work ethic. And, and you know, we had one that said loose, loose balls matter. You know, just like just simple. Like, hey, everything matters what we're trying to do. So we changed the, the physical stuff around us. Um, we established a work ethic. I think conditioning is huge to be in great shape. I think you can really – that's one thing you, as a head coach, and I know Bob Hurley said this a number of times, like the one thing you can control is their conditioning level. So we got ourselves in unbelievable shape. And I'm like, I don't know how good we are. I don't know how talented we are. But we're going to be in incre- incredible shape. And that's going to win you, what, five, six games a year just being, just being in shape. And that also – that goes hand-in-hand hand with the work ethic too. So um, we can control that a little bit. You know, obviously then the next thing is we had to get better players. You know, and that's in college. You can, you can do that in college. High school is a little harder because you got to – <laughs> take what you have and then you know high school you start we we started the whole you know like you would in high school we started the you know coming in on, in the mornings and doing shooting workouts and like hey we're gonna practice at four we're also gonna come in at six and we're gonna shoot um and it's you know it's it's optional um also playing time is optional you know so we had them come in guys coming in with our assistant coaches and getting in the gym and we got i bought a gun you know we raised money right away bought a gun just said i said our gym is gonna be we're gonna be the hardest working team we're gonna live in this gym it's going to be the, and we have all, we don't have great facilities. Our, our gym is small and there's not a lot of bells and whistles. So we had to sell the part that we could sell was, Hey, this gym's open 24 hours a day. There's no volleyball. Like you can get in the gym anytime you want to. Let's, 
let's get in here and wear this, wear this place out. Let's be here all the time where it's just, it's just crazy. So we, we did that stuff, you know, the work ethic, um, you know, obviously the culture of like, you know, just, I'll give you one example. Like the, the prior year's team picture was the worst team picture I think I've ever seen in my life. Some guys had on blue shoes, some guys had on orange shoes. I swear to God, you should see the pictures. It's most embarrassing that one coach has a pink shirt on. Like, like it's an awful, like, like we're going we're gonna to take a good team picture. Like all the guys want the same colored shoes, same colored socks. Coach is going to look the same, not like a blue suit and a, and a brown suit. And a, and like, you know, what I did was I involved my AD and everything too. So we had a picture with, with the AD in, in, the, in the picture. You know, we had, we had the president. We didn't do it the first year, the next year. Put our president in one of the, one of the team pictures. Um, anything we did with the team, with the program, like a, like a handbook or a philosophy, we give a copy to the athletic director and also to the president. Here's what we're, here's what we're doing. Here's, here's our communication. And they, people love that, like being part of things, you know. So we just try to involve as many people as possible. We try to be great guys um, around campus. Like we ate in the cafeteria three or four. We still do. We, that's, the, that's a funny thing is that, you know, there's pretty good food in the cafeteria. It's better than going off campus and spending 15 bucks on something that's not as good. So we, we would go to the cafeteria three or four times a week and just eat. And then the, player, the players see you, the professors see you, the, the, the vice president see you. It's like, hey, you're part of the, the family. And establish that fam, family atmosphere, that community atmosphere um, that we had, to, we had to do. We thought it would take us a long time to win. Not a long time, but like a couple of years to win some games. We actually went, we went 15 and 14 my first year, which was like, that was a, that was a miracle. You know, I mean, that was probably my best coaching job. It goes from, from six wins to 15 wins. And, um, but I think being in, being in shape, having a system, having a way we wanted to play was, was huge for us. And so, um, and then it kind of, kind of steamrolled from there, you know, but it's, it's, um, what I hear, it's like drinking, it's like drinking, drink, get a drink out of a, a fire hydrant when you can become a head coach. Cause it's just like, there's so much, so much stuff going on and thrown at you. And you gotta, and like my, my wife and kids were still up at, in Albany at Siena, uh, finishing school. So I was by myself for two months. You know, I had some on the weekends and stuff, but like I, I get, I would, I would get in at five in the morning and I would go till midnight. We would get food and just like, Hey, let's, let's figure this shit out. Let's, let's get this program going in the right, in the right direction. And we, we were able to do that. And then we got, we were obviously, we, were, we recruited well too. And we, we had some good players and that makes, that makes life a lot easier when you get a, some, some good players. But um, those are the main things. Let me, let me just have one follow up for you. Yep. Um, cause you're saying, uh, work ethic and you wanted to change everything. Was that what you were seeing? Was that something that you were seeing that wasn't being done at your prior stops? Or is that something that you're taking from the prior stops? Before? No, I mean, I think that's just kind of how I've always been. Like, you know, we're going to, we're going to outwork everybody we can. Like, I was a, I was a, I was a, I was a division three player and I was, I would have, I would have been an average high school player if I hadn't worked hard. So I was kind of in my DNA to be, to be a hard worker. Um, Clarkson was a bad job when I got the job at Clarkson. They were, they were, um, hadn't been 525 years. So I was used to kind of having a bad job because that, that was very similar. So I, I was, I kind of had been through that before, but like, yeah, we're going to work hard. And like that hasn't, and like that wasn't a come in and let's work hard now. It's like, we, we still probably work harder than anybody maybe in, you know, in, in the East coast and we work our, we work our tails off and we're, we're, we're still on the track on the, all that stuff. We go at six in the morning. Um, so we knew ahead of time we had to do that, but um, there was a huge gap from what they were doing to what we were doing. And then that, well, you know what that did to it? We it weeded out the guys who were kind of like half in, half out, like guys who really didn't want to be there. They started seeing what we're going to do. And they're like, ah, we don't, we don't want to be part of this. That, that was good to get rid of those guys. You know, you kind of got to figure out who's with you. Right. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing. Like who's, who's, who's with you. That's what I, I would say to all the time, who's, 
we'd run 10 17 sometimes in practice and like you know who's gonna who's gonna hang in there who's gonna be tough enough who's gonna be who's with us you know and that was and we ended up having a, a bunch of guys who ended up staying and being really good players and that was that was but part of that was like they bought into what we were doing okay yeah all right so we're just gonna go around ask yep. you some more questions guys i'm just gonna call you out as i see you on my screen uh so chris you're you're up first all right, cool. All right, thanks for thanks for coming, Coach. It really is cool. Um, you guys are really known for your press, yep. right? And I would like to just to know, like, how do you install it? Like, year one, when you were there, year one, what steps did you put in, you know, day one with the players on the court? Like, are you putting them in, like, so, small situations early on? Do you go out five on five and you're just demonstrating how it should look? Um, if you could just go a little bit on that. Yep. Well, I think with, with the press, um, and that's where I think conditioning is such a huge part of things. So it's kind of like, hey, why do we got to be in great shape? Because, because we press. And so we, we kind of, you know, early, on, early on was, you know, why are we doing so much conditioning stuff? Well, this is how we're going to play. Um, we do it five on five. We install it. And we, we install it. The first thing we do when we install things for our team is, is defensive transition because that's on a, miss, it's on a missed shot, what we're doing on a missed shot. We have a system we, we, we use um, for definite defensive transition on a missed shot. That's our one and two get back. Our one man takes the ball. Our two man's in the hole. The hole's under the rim. Um, the first post guy back, the four, the five, gets to the rim. We don't care. We don't, we're not concerned about matchups. He gets the rim. We kick out the two man to the ball side wing. The other two guys get loaded up towards the ball. So that's our definite we – we call it tippy-toe. It's a, it's a Seinfeld re reference. And so we have a definite defensive transition system that we follow. That's the first thing we talk about five on five. And the next thing is a press. So we don't, I don't like to, we have workouts in the fall in September and October. So we don't, I don't like to bog them down with, with half court defense. Cause we'll be able to you know, close outs and jump to the ball. We're going to drive them crazy from October until, until March with that kind of stuff. So we try to, um, here's our defensive transition on misses. And now is our press five on five. And we'll, we'll put it in five on five. We'll show it to them five on five. And then we'll play it five on five. And then we go back and we break it down. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it, the first year is hard because it's all, it's new for, it was new for every guy. Now, as you go along, you start getting more guys who've been around. They, they, you know, now for next year, we'll have nine guys who know the press well. So I'm, I'm not, you know, they know kind of what's going on. So that makes it easier to install. They teach, they teach the young guys. But we, it's always five on five. We watch a ton of tape. Like, we'll, so we do, it's been great this, this, you know, the, the, the advantage of, the, of the, the, the pandemic is being being away from our guys. We've done a lot of video stuff, so we'll show them video on. Here's, here's our press, and I'm sending it to them now, too. Here's, our, here's good press, here's bad press, and we do a lot of video clips to show it to them five on five, and that way they kind of have a feel for what we're trying to do, and then we'll, we'll go in and put it in five on five. And, like, we, we, we trap, we call it a string, like you're pulled on a string together. We'll actually put a string out there with the guys and actually have them hold the string to get a feel for how they're moving and things like that. So we really, um, and it, most of the stuff we do, breakdown drills are five on five. Let's say we're having trouble chasing stuff down from behind. Like we you know we trap and we, we're having a hard time getting back pressure. We'll actually put them in a situation where two guys are beat and I'll throw the ball to half court. We got to chase the ball down from behind. And the teaching points, the guys who are, who are um, back can't come up with a live ball. They got to stay, got to stunt, stunt and stay back and buy us time. And the guys from behind got to chase it down. So we'll do that. We'll put them in a situation where um, a guy beats us up the, up the sideline, how we handle that. And that's all five on five. 
and we break it down that way. And then we then we obviously do some we do we do we do what we 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 try to get to one on one, um, full court every day for at least the first couple weeks of practice, two on two, full court every day, and then three on three, then four on four, then five on five. But I bet I'll bet in the press I would say, um, eighty percent of what we do is five on five, which might be unusual to some people but you know here's the problem is like sometimes you can't see the big picture when you go two on two or three it's like you might get beat two on two and a, and a trap and, a, and something and, and guys don't see well hey that third guy will take the rotation if he's out there well hell, why, why don't I just put him out there you know as opposed to like trying to have them imagine that you know so um but that's that's kind of the idea and it's it's um we don't do we're not terribly complicated our half court defense is like half court um pretty vanilla man to man um, run all motion offense, not a lot of set plays. The press is probably the most complicated thing we do. And we spend the first, you know, the first month or so, probably I'd say half an hour to 40 minutes a day just on the press. Does that help, Does that help you, Chris? Yeah, that was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know. when, when you're in your press and you're trapping, are there specific designations that you're calling out? When are you calling for your trap or – how are you, you know, how are you trapping? Yeah, so, so, so um, it's a matchup press. We, so it'd it, be a whole, that'd be a whole, uh, it's, 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 we match up to, to certain spots and then we, it's man to man. So it's, it's, we're matched up man to man. Then we trap, we try to get guys turn side, if they beat a sideline, get the guy turn sideline, not trap sideline. And we try to turn sideline trap middle. So turn sideline on the dribble trap. Now we'll also trap the first pass. We'll trap the first pass. Um, to catch the ball in a dead corner, we'll try the first pass off a, off a guy who can't handle the ball. We'll try the first pass if it's a great point guard, we'll get the ball out of his hands. So, but we teach, and that's a good question, Ben, because we always had this discussion, me and my assistant, about like, you know, what do you tell them? We try to let them figure it out themselves. So, um, we, we do have calls, like we have blue as a half, as we try to trap around half court. Gold, we're trapping the first pass. Um, what else do we have that are... You know, more calls like um, 55 is just no traps, all stunts, all stunts, no traps. So we have, we do have calls, but when our press is good, like when a, when a team clears us out, we'll go, we call it first for the first guy who, the first guy who uh, uh, on the first bounce, the first dribble we're trapping last is the last guy to cross half court comes back and traps. So we do have calls, but when the press is good, we have a good team. They figure that out themselves and I don't have to call it, but that takes, that takes time. Um, and that takes, that takes, you know, repetition that takes us watching film. I know this from my experience, if I try to stop them in practice and say, Hey, you should do this and you should do this. All that does is screw them up because it, it's the game's played fast. The game's played too fast to, to, you can't, you can't think like that. So, and I'm, and I'm usually wrong when I do that stuff. Like I'm usually, I'm usually actually, the, I, you should, I was, and I watch the tape like, Oh, geez, what the hell, what the hell am I talking about? So we try to let, let them go in practice and then watch it the next day in, in practice, watch tape, you know, and we can't be able to tape our practice. Let's watch 10 minutes of here's good stuff. Here's bad stuff. And they can see it for themselves. And um, that helps a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Alex, you got, you got a question for coach. Hey coach. Uh, thanks. Thanks for being here with us. We'd appreciate it. Thanks Al. Um, I've attended many of your practice. Uh, and and clinics you have you had a, a few so I think I've been to the last three in August and I heard you you know you 
you explain your traps a lot, and and I'm 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 very uh I could I could you know I could I could relate to you because I like to trap a lot. Um, my question to you is because I think you you your system is kind of like uh, Shaq Smart when he was at VCU. How how would that relate if you get another job out of Division One or mid major? Yep. Because um, he's he's struggling with his system. It's kind of like he's trying to adjust and he's trying to like I guess re-identify who he is or what he's trying to do. And and to be honest with you, the high level kids don't want to run around. They they so how will you adjust and how will you be able to coach those guys up? Because I think you you know a couple of years I think you know you keep doing what you're doing. You have a good track record. You know if 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 you want to move up, I think the opportunity will be there. So how will you implement your system at a higher level? <laughs> it's like Alex, you're on, you're on a committee because I've heard that question. I've heard that question the last few years a couple a couple times. When I've when I've interviewed, it's like, hey, can you still do this at certain levels or whatever? So yeah, um, I mean, I will say this about Shaka. Like I when I watch when I used to watch VCU play, I used to love watching VCU play. Mm. And I'm like, man, when he goes to Texas, he's gonna get better athletes, and they're gonna be they're gonna be bigger, faster, stronger. Like he's gonna really just go there and just you know go crazy. And I was surprised he's just played all half court and, and yeah. hasn't. I mean, I thought I kind of thought his havoc was kind of like part of his DNA, like that was what he was going to do. So I was surprised he hasn't pressed. And like Bob Huggins at West Virginia has become the team in that league that they're the pressing team, and they've done mm-hmm. they've done they've done better than Texas has, you know. So mm-hmm. I think I don't I don't agree that you can't press with high level guys. I think you can't press with high level guys who are so, I don't. know what's the word I'm not necessarily selfish but like you know worry about their minutes or worry about this kind of stuff like I mean I think you have to get the certain kind of kids who are like hey they just want to win and they and they're and they're able to to um put the team first you know and I'm not I'm not certain guys at Texas wouldn't if, if it's if you're winning and like our guys love pressing our guys love playing fast so like I would argue, like, why would you want to play in the 50s, which Texas does sometimes, as opposed mm-hmm. to playing in the 80s and 90s? Maybe you'll play five minutes less. But I was talking to Ben before this whole thing started, or to, to Chris, too. Like, we, our best guys still play – with, with media timeouts, our best guys still play 34, 35 minutes if we need to in, in big games with the – you know, you balance out the media timeouts, you get them out there when there's a chance to give them a break. So I think you can still play guys a lot of minutes. I think good players that want to play hard out, there'd be guys I couldn't recruit. You know, but I'm, I'm not sure I'd want those guys anyway. You know, I, prima donnas or these guys. Like, well, can you really win with those guys playing half court too? You know, I mean, I want guys that are going to play their ass off. Like, you know, give me a St. Anthony's kid, right? <laughs> you know, right, right? Like, give me those guys. Those guys will press, you know. Give me a Mount Vernon kid. You know, we got our, our point guards from Mount Vernon. Give me one of those guys, you know. Give me you know, guys out of the city, like, you know, guys from D.C. Like, I think there's enough guys out there who would play, who want to play that style. And, like, we score a lot too. So, like, you know, it's like – Everybody's, it's funny when you go through recruiting, you can see a lot of you guys have been through it. And as a high school coach, you've been through it. Like, oh, we, we play fast. We play, well, look, at the, look at the numbers. You know, everybody's like, we play fast. Well, we, why, why do you score 62 points a game? Like, we, we score 90. Like, would you rather score 90 or rather score 60? Like, we're, we're going to go up and down. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna make, make it exciting. Fans like it. Um, you know, and Shaka had it going on at VCU, man. It, it, was, it was fun to watch. And, like, you know, West Virginia's been fun to watch, too. And, and uh, now, with that being said, I'm not being I'm not being um, realistic here. There's certain times you can't press press balls to the wall the whole time. Like right? we played, 
we played Gonzaga one year. We got the NIT. It was my second year here. We went to Gonzaga. And they had, <laughs> it was like we, the NIT needed two Division II teams. And so for some reason, we had a connection. So we got in the NIT. We played Stony Brook and Gonzaga. So we went out to Gonzaga, and we did not trap. We're like, listen, fellas, we're going we're gonna to match up. We, we call, we call black, black, our black press is there's nobody on the ball. So our foreman, who's, who's usually on the ball in white press, and he's all over the ball, he's, you know, he's got high hands, he's trying to get deflections. We put him back, and then we just kind of said, hey, let's just be there and be a nuisance and get back and play five on five. If you press Gonzaga, they got a 6'9", free man who's just going to look over the top of us and just, just you know, he's going to find guys that are wide open. So I think depending upon who you play, you can change your press. You know, hey, 55 is no traps. You know, we play certain teams. Now, we went to St. John's um, four years ago, beat them by 30. We pressed the crap out of them um, and turned them over 28 times because they couldn't handle pressure. They didn't have very good guards. So it depends on who you play. Like, and we still do this. If we see a good team that we can't – we don't think our press will, will affect, we may start out, like, going crazy, and then we'll be like, hey, let's, let's be a little more conservative. Let's go black. Let's go 55. Let's go blue around half court, um, that kind of stuff, you know, depending upon who you play. So there's definitely – and I think that's the, the beauty of the matchup press, like how we press, is we can kind of change it according to – we don't have to go nuts all the time. We're not – like, I think, I think a lot of bad pressing teams trap the first pass and hope for a steal. We're not – we prefer not to trap the first pass. And like, let's just let them see what they're going to do. And I tell you what, when you're pressing – one of the best things that can happen is if you don't turn them over, they have to spend 12, 15 seconds to get, you know, get in their offense. That was that 30-second shot clock's down to 15 seconds. you got to guard one action for 15 seconds. So um, you can be a good pressing team and not turn teams over, make them have to play um, against constant, you know, constant uh, turmoil or havoc and, and, and play against our system. You know? And then, so it's, we definitely talk about that. We play good, you know, really good teams that we can't. You know, we play Bridgeport's always been a big rival of ours. We can't, we can't go trap Bridgeport all night long, you know. But that's when – and I think Chris was – you know, it's, it's like um, with the question, like we tell the guys all the time, like it's, it's your press. It's not my press. It's your – you guys got to decide when you're on the floor when you can go get a team. Hey, this point guard's having trouble. Let's go be more aggressive. Or, oh, shit, this kid's pretty good. We can't be as aggressive. Let's do more stunning. Let's stay home and um, play more five on five. And I think a lot of times the guys will figure that out before I do because they're out there on the court. They'll know, hey, this kid's pretty good. We can't, we can't mess with him as much, you know? So that's, I always tell them, hey, listen, it's your, it's your press. Now, we, we still make a lot of suggestions, but, it's, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 their, it's their press, you know? But that's a great, that's a great question, Alex. That, that's going to help me for my next, like my next interviews, yeah, that, that question <laughs> right there. That, that's like, everybody's asked that thing. Can you play the same way? Can you play the same way, you know? And that's... You better have dudes. Thanks, Coach. Yep. L, you, you got a question for, for Coach? Yes, Coach. Thank you. I'm glad you uh, shared some light because I'm a pressing coach. I press all the time, and our points are always high too. So that was really good to hear. Um, my question to you, um, I'm pretty good um, with press and all of that. Um, just team bonding. So what is a team bonding activity you feel is unique to your program that you feel is most effective with team bonding? Um, I mean, I try things with my kid. I use things I've used when I played at Ohio State, when I played with the L.A. Sparks and different things. But on this now generation, what do you feel is most effective for you and your team? Because that's really important for me. 
Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to hear your answer to this too, because that's, you're always asking that question of other, of other coaches, like, what do you guys do? Like, what's, what's, what works, you know? It's like, and it's your truth. It's like, you know, everybody's on their cell phone. Everybody's got their, their, their phones out, the whole thing. So it's, it, it's definitely different than it, than it used to be with that kind of stuff. I mean, I do think, um, and you know, you played at a high level, like the 6 a.m. workouts bond your team, the hard stuff bonds your team. It's like, yeah, you can go bowling, you can go, you know, stuff like that, movies. And, and I, have, I have the team in my house, my team comes to my house probably three or four times a year. We have a Christmas party. We do think, we definitely do things like that. There's no doubt we do things like that. Um, we definitely go bowling over, over the, you know, the breaks, the breaks a great time over, over the holidays from, you know, after finals in December until January, you got about a month and you're just, just you by yourself without, without any, anybody there. So that time of like dinners together, come to my house, my wife cooks for them, things like that. Um, that stuff's good. I still think the best thing is like the hard stuff, the hard, the 6 a.m. workouts. Like I think get in shape's important, but I also think that shit, you got there, you know, we got, we have a track um, in this park. It's about two miles away and you start out in September and it's, you get there at six or five forty-five in the morning. And it's, it's kind of dark, but it's getting lighter. By the time you get to like October, it's like pitch dark. You can't see, you can't see anything out there at all. And like, it's miserable. It's cold out there. Now, um, and like it just bonds you because it's it's so hard and the guys have to all go through it. Now we've do, now we did a couple. Of, this is this is actually so we have um I've done it twice at Stack. One of our assistant coaches will dress up in a bear costume. So um this this tracks in the woods and so we had him he go we had dropped him off at five. This is a true story. Five thirty in the morning, drop him off in the woods, go back get the guy as we come out. And on their first lap around the track, you can't see in front of you because it's so dark out there. He'll jump out in a bear costume, and like scare the shit out of the guys. <laughs> Our guys talk about that stuff. Like, well, and it's like, well, we're just, we're just sitting around talking. One day, hey, let's 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 do something funny. Like, let's be this to be great. So we, we put it again. We bought a bear costume, costs like fifty bucks, whatever. And the funniest part is have my assistant have to sit in the woods for like twenty minutes when it's pitch dark and nobody's out. We're waiting for the team to get there. Like, he's like, are they coming back? Like, what if a real bear comes out? Like, there's actually bears around around the Rockland County, as, as Ben would know. So it's like. Um, like that kind of stuff. Like they love shit like that. They love. They love when you can let your guard down and be and be corny. Like they love stuff like that. Like we do stuff. You know, we can't. So the bear comes out. We all go back to to have breakfast together. And it's like you, you can't do it every year because then they, they start to anticipate that happens. We've only done it twice. We played. You know, we once we'll show up. We'll play dodgeball. You know, one morning we'll show up and like for condition we'll, we'll play dodgeball. We'll do something like that. Um, and that's all, that's all good. I think we, did, we were kind of like a part last year at the holidays. We, we did a thing. We had the guys come in and talk about um, introduce another player on their team. Like we had like spend five or five or ten minutes with each player. Like kind of like you had to, you had to tell uh, four or five things about your teammate that no one else in the room would know. And not about yourself, but about another teammate. We, we paired them up together. We, so we, we paired them together so they would talk about somebody they probably didn't know as well. You know, you know there's always the clicks and stuff going on. So we try to get them. And that, that helped a lot. It was funny. Guys were being funny. It was just like, you know, it was kind of corny and things like that. Um, you know, so we, we do, we, I don't think we do anything. It's super, super special. It's like, like, but I, I do think, you know, and, and you know, from being like, we spend so much time together in the bus and the road trips and things like that. By the time you get to March, if you're doing a good job, um, the guys are, the guys are pretty together, you know? And, but like we had a zoom call yesterday with our whole team. We, we do it every Sunday and I had three alums come on three guys who played for me when I first got to two, two of my first recruiting class and one from who just graduated two years ago. And they talked to the team and I just let them go. And they were like, it was awesome. It was, it was a bet. It was un unbelievable. Like the two guys who 
where my first two recruits were like, man, Coach Anderson's gotten soft. We used to, and they all laugh. They think it's funny. And like, they, they bust my balls. And they, they tell stories about me. And like, you know, and you got to be like, you got to be a little self-deprecating sometimes too. Like, I like, you know, it's like it's, you, know you do stupid. I, all right, we, we won a game last year. We, we beat Damon before the first semester. We were grinding out. We, we, we were you know, kind of, you know, getting ready for finals. The guys are tired. I'm tired. It's been a long semester. And I got a bunch of water guns. And so we won the game. It's on Twitter. We come to the locker room. We had we had squirt guns. We just started squirting the guy. Just squirting the guys. You know, everybody wants to throw water on you. We're squirting the guys with water guns. And they love they love stuff like that. So we're always thinking of things to do to um to make them feel like hey we're all together on this. But like you know, at the end of the day, they gotta it's it's the it's the I think the hard stuff that makes it that makes it makes it good. You know. So that and they gotta see from you too. Like you're you're willing to do the hard stuff too. So like you know, hey, you wanna. You want to come in and shoot at five in the morning? Like we'll come in with you. Like you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be here the whole time. They gotta, they gotta see. You can't be like I've never missed a conditioning weight. I don't miss any workouts at all. It's like hey, because I think sometimes they say head coach, but I don't come to, I don't come to morning conditioning. Well, what, what kind of message does that send if I'm, if I'm not there? Um, and the rest of the team is like that's. I think that's. I know head coaches that don't do that. I'm like I, I gotta be there. Like I, I gotta. I can't make them get up at five forty-five or five thirty, and I'm not there to, to, to watch them run or to talk to them. So I, I'm there. I don't miss. I'm. And I don't do a lot of recruiting during the year. I go, I, I'm with my team almost all the time. I don't take mm-hmm. off a lot of times to go recruit. I know a lot of coaches do that. I don't, I, I coach my team and we'll do our recruiting stuff mostly in the fall, the spring, and I'll go see games on, you know, on Sundays or things like that. Okay. Thank you. Um, what do you, what do you do? Give me, give me something you do. Um, so Ben knows he's going to laugh from my Ohio state days. And during the season, my practice starts at 5.45, we're on the track. So when you're saying all this stuff, I think it's fabulous that I'm not insane. Ben is like, I'm never coming to your practices. When he was off this year, I was like, come on, Ben. He was like, you're insane. So we start at 5.45, we're on the track to about 6. That's when the permit starts. And I've lobbied. I've been at the school for 12 years now, so I fall hard. We are on the track from 5 to 5.45, depending if I'm doing sprints, conditioning. Uh, we have to do a six-minute mile. If they don't make the six-minute mile, they can't play. Um, the guards are 545. The big the, – the tweeners are six, and the bigs are set, 630. I had a big kid, really big, seven minutes. Um, but we do all the conditioning. Um, I um, own a brownstone in Brooklyn, and I use it. So um, this year we did manhunt. It's an inner-city game where the kids are chasing each other around. And I have um, video games, like the arcade games, the Pac-Mans and all of that, the yeah. Mortal Kombat's. So yeah. we had a whole, like, we, I had a kid bring a PS2, a PS4, whatever's out. Yeah. I had a kid bring, I had my own system. And then on um, the second, and I, and I love my wife because she was like, oh, my God, all these kids. She cooks, like you said. She'll cook for us. We'll go in the backyard, and we'll have, um, we have three barbecues. We have the summer barbecue. Yeah. Then we'll have the winter. And then at Christmas, we'll do that in barbecue so we had that and then we went outside and played manhunt and it was hilarious i didn't play um i was in my suv watching them and and giving directions but i had to stop it because i have to forget that i'm working with inner city kids and my point guard is laying like in the street trying to hide from someone and i'm like i can't (laughs) explain this (laughs) i can't explain this team bonding because um ben earl the point guard the little point guard from um um the what's that LG over there, whatever. I'm like, I can't explain this to his mom. His sister was my manager. She always comes back and she does my books, but we'll do that. We'll do the roller skating. Um, I shared this story. I'm going to share quickly. When this was the first year when my team didn't make the playoffs 
and I just lost it. So I came in and we had a practice and we played football, we played volleyball. But then when it I mean we played like yeah, volleyball first and football. When we came to basketball, they lost the intensity. And I'm like, what the fuck? You guys love basketball. Where's the intensity that you just have for basketball, football, and volleyball? And they're like, but coach, we don't have to run plays. <laughs> we could wow. just run straight down and we could just yeah. throw the ball. And I played the quarterback. So those are some of the team bondings. I just wanted to um, you know, I remember being in college and at Ohio State, Nancy Josh was my coach, and I remember having to go to coach's house and sit you know, or go to a, a boys game or something like that. I just wanted to know of um, new ways to reach these, this generation, especially at the higher level where I know, like, they're required, you know, the optional stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was it. Those, those are the team bonding. And one thing is, and I did it this year because I had a young team. I'm not going to do it again. It was the worst time of my life, but I knew it was beneficial. I made them have lunch with us. So, the fresh, if you had lunch first period, you have to have lunch with your team. You you go down, you talk to your friends, you bring your lunch. And um, because my principal really effed me over a couple of years ago, now in my room, I have a big screen TV. That's my locker room, quote unquote. So we will watch film. We yeah. will watch TV. So that would get them all going. And on Fridays, we have double practice. We had 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. practices. So that's 6 p.m. Insane, I know. The 6 p.m. <laughs> practice, they would... um. They, um, I, we raised money. We got air beds. They came in and they would sleep. If they didn't want to go home, I would order pizza and we would bond that way too. So thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. That's great stuff too. That's awesome. I love it. I wrote down, I wrote down manhunt. So we'll see if, if it, I don't, I don't know. Uh, well in rock, um, my uncle lives, I told in red, well, he just passed away, but red school house roll. You have more uh, land in Rockland than you do in Brooklyn. So good luck. <laughs> it seems like everyone's got to step up their game. With this, with this team bonding, L. <laughs> Sorry, listen, I'm a, I'm a female coach. I got to do what I can. I mean, I I, I guess uh, I've done the the pizza parties, you know, the movies, you know, like kind of the traditional stuff. I gotta get manhunt, maybe laser tag, something like that, <laughs> you know. Um, Dan, I know you had some questions. Yeah, let me unmute myself here. Um, Coach, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Love the stuff about the defense. I wanted to ask a couple questions about the offense. Um, the first two are probably a little bit more straightforward. If I could get a three for one here. Um, and then the third one. You got it. One question, man. Just one question. You got to be different. I got to be different, no doubt. Um, and then the third one you know, go, go with it where you can. I'd appreciate that. So the first one, your motion, what um, formation do you run it out of? Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, it depends on our team. Murph, like we had, um, we had a kid, we had an all American post kid uh, three years ago. It was, a, it was a kid. Reyes was a great player for us. It was, it was two time all Americans played play for the Raptors down in the G league. And so we played him more on the blocks and played more four out one in. We didn't really call it four out one in. We just gave him different rules. So basically in our motion, you got you get a, everything's a two count. It's old Bob Knight stuff. Everything's a two count. So you get two counts. Um, when you set a screen, you hold it for two count. When you, when you uh, cut to the paint, you got two counts. When you post up, you get two, you know, 1,000, 1,002. And so with him, we'd say, listen, you got 
you got more than a two count. You can stay there for three seconds. You can spend a little more time in the post and try to um, try to get you the ball because he's so good inside. We don't want guys who, who can't play in the post to be hanging because, you know, guys love to hang. We call it the gray area between the, the post and the NBA, the NBA three or the college three, but the NBA three. We have two guys who want to hang down there and clog shit up and cause congestion. So we don't want guys hanging in that, in that area. So we try to get them out of there. So they get in, get in, get out, get in, get out. Don't, don't spend time down in there. So, you know, to answer your question, it's, it ends up being four out one in because there's always somebody coming through on a cut on a, on a uh, post up. But for the most part, it's five, it's five out where all five guys are basically interchangeable. They can all do, um, if we had a point guard who could post, we let him post. We actually, we don't, we have actually, we started, we started last year, some points, three guys were five, nine and, and shorter. We started three, five, if we had a kid injured, we started three, five, nine guard. Now we pressed, so that helped a lot. We shot a bunch of threes and played fast. But um, for the most part, we like our guys to be interchangeable as far as they can all do everything. They can all, they can all handle the ball. They can all step outside. I love big guys who can step out and handle the ball, pass the ball, reverse the ball. You know, we will, we will ball screen. We're more of a cutting. Our motion is more of a cutting, driving motion than it is a screening motion. When people hear motion offense, they hear about a lot about, you know, pass and screen away, pass and down screen. We're much more into pass and cut inside. We call it inside cut, uh, basket cut, outside cut, outside the guy. Um, more cutting than screening, trying to keep the middle open so we can drive the ball and play off penetration. That's kind of our strengths. Now, we do have guys who can post, and so we, we tell them, hey, you want a basket cut, you make a pass, cut the basket, you can post, um, but you better not stay in there forever. Like, you got to get, get in, and you got to get the hell out of there because you're, if, you're, if you're in the post and you can't score, now you're, you're causing the other four guys to have to play around you, and there's no place to drive. So, you know, we, we spacing is so important, Murph, like, like how we're trying to play. Like, we just want to keep that, keep that middle open, keep areas open. Um, so it, it ends up being, you know, more, more of a, more of a four out one in at some point, but, um, we let guys play. And I think that's part of like, you know, we got some of the press, like if you're going to ask your guys to press, but with Alex talked about with crystal, you know, you ask your guys to press for 40 minutes, balls to the wall, pressure the ball. We give them freedom on offense. There's definitely some freedom on offense to, um, make plays. We don't call a lot of sets. We let them play. I'm not a big shot selection guy. Um, if the guy takes a shot that they think is a good shot, I'd like, listen, you, you got to, if you, if you think it's a good shot, shoot the damn thing. And we'll talk about it later on, like be aggressive, like err on the side of a be, being aggressive and um, play with confidence. You know, I think that's, that's how I've changed a lot since I first started coaching. I want guys to play with confidence. I don't want to, I don't want to nitpick. Hey, that's a good shot. That's a bad shot. I want them to, 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 to feel the confidence to play. And then defensively, there's no, there's no room for, ambiguity we're going to press the crap out of you you have to defend you have to run the floor but the one the one thing I'll do is give them a little more freedom on offense to to play and that helps I think that helps them understand what we're trying to do as far as our our defense goes because when you got a pressure 94 feet man it's it ain't fun sometimes so um if you get a three that you think is a good three well shoot the shoot the damn thing now what I would say is if you're going to shoot it you better get your ass in the gym and work work on your game around practice and get off 500 threes during the week. So that way, when you take those shots, you got a better chance of making them. But um, if guys are coming in and shoot on their own, I'm going to give them freedom to take, to, to shoot. Appreciate that. So you answered the second part of my question, which was more, because you know, some people have 
like dribble drive motion or passing game motion and it, yep. you know with the more of the screening base but like you said you have this cutting base so that's that's always good to what hear. happened what happened was Murph we always ran ran, ran our, our true motion offense for years then we put in a dribble drive and I, and I like the dribble drive so we kind of morphed the two together to to neck they're kind of like one they're one offense now it's like a lot of the inside cuts the blur cuts we do those in our in our motion our traditional motion we kind of we kind of combine both things and it's like our guys seem like they 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 do they do. I I loved our offense this year, which I usually don't say too often. I loved our offense this year. We really cut and, and moved the ball well. So we've kind of we kind of combined the two. Nice, very cool. Now the last part of my question was kind of based on the Reyes situation. Like in a motion offense, you have a guy that's a better scorer than the other guys. So how do you stay away from that? Like balance that basically equal opportunity of motion verse this guy is our best scorer we you know he's the best scorer so he should get the most shots yeah yep. you know, if you rank them one through five they're not all five even across the board different guys have this guy's a little shooter this guy's a better driver but you know some guys are just better scorers yep. than others so how do you balance that in your motion and then within the motion do you have anything special for like certain guys yep that's that's a great point because that's what people when they see motion offense they feel like we, you lose you lose control you don't have the control to, to say who gets the shot when so first I'd say a good player knows a good player knows what they're good at and knows their team well and if they don't you can't realize that the kid Reyes was an All American was a great player then you you probably won't be playing for us because like I mean I, and listen I will tell them that trust me that, that that's like, when I say there is some freedom like there's there's freedom to a certain point it's like. Hey, Reyes has got to touch the ball. So what we in practice we'll we'll do um, we do our half court offense or we do our we call it ODO offense defense offense with three conversions. We'll say the first the first possession. All right, we're gonna go. Um, we call it our forty one is our is our motion. We're gonna go forty one, and Reyes has to touch it two times, or Reyes has to score has to get the ball in the paint. Reyes was gonna just remind Reyes what was our best player. Um, Fist, we, we would go fist, fist, fist is a post touch. So fist, that's a call we have out of our motion. Hey, we're going to go fist and fist Reyes. So we're going to go fist for Justin. Fist is he's got to catch the ball in a post touch for Justin on this possession. So we go a couple times down, he hasn't touched it. Then we'll go to that with, a, I will call that. That's a call I can have out of our motion. Hey, unless you get a layup, unless you get a layup, Justin has to catch the ball on the, uh, in the post. And then as the year goes on, hopefully they can figure that stuff out. Now we get, we do, we do some analytics and, you know, stats, analytics, the same damn thing, right? So we'll show them, okay, we had Reyes. When Justin touches the ball, we score points per possession like 1.7. There's one year he was shooting 60 – our best post kid, and a lot of you guys didn't see him play. He, he was shooting like 67% from the, from the field, um, shooting 10 free throws a game, scoring 25 points a game. He scored 2,000 points. He ultimately didn't score in our conference um, and had no scholarship offers out of, out of high school. But, but the point is – um, he was scoring, we were scoring when he touched the ball, like 1.7 or 1.8 points per possession when he touched the ball. And Shaq, one time Shaq played at St. Anthony, Shaq said to me, well, coach, you get two points for a made basket. I said, no, Shaq, not when he scores, when he touches the ball. If, if Justin touches the ball, we score 1.8 points per possession when he touches the ball. And like, then it's like, all right, when he doesn't touch the ball, we're like 1.1. So we, that's a stat we keep track of. So we'll, sh we'll show them those stats. And like, fellas, Justin's got to touch the ball. Like, Justin's got to touch the ball. 
And so it does take time, like in November and December with motion, it does – there are some games when, like, we didn't get the ball to our post guy enough, the, the wrong guy didn't shoot as much. But I think as – what I like about motion offense, it gets better as the year goes along because you're constantly tweaking things, you're constantly improving it. By the time you get to February or March, you – um. The ball's going where it's supposed to go. You guys know who's supposed to shoot. There's a pretty good feel for what's happening. And I don't have to call a whole lot. Now, we do have some, the sets I run. Is any set that we, we, we have, we have probably seven or eight sets are all for our best player for the most part. So that, that's, there's no, hey, if we, if we have to, we have a set in, we can go to him. Um, we have a great point guard now from Mount Vernon who's really good. So we'll run, a, we'll run a, you know, some ball screen stuff for him or some handoff stuff for him if we need to um, to get him a shot. So we, we have some ways of, of calls there, but for the most part, guys got to kind of figure that out. What I will say is we got, as we got older, we played some big games. We, we, we've been very good at the NCAA tournament, very good in postseason. If you watch those games, Reyes got the ball every possession with four minutes to go the rest of the way. And, that guy, and guys knew that. We didn't call stuff. They, they knew he had to get the ball. So, but but that, takes, that does take some time. And I think film helps. I think stats help. Um, and we'll do it in practice a lot. Like, hey, Justin's got to touch it. Justin, or, you, might, you might go four and four and say, all right, um, every basket's worth one, except for if Justin touches it and he gets somebody a shot, that's worth two. You know, so that encourage him to pass the ball once in a while too. Just things like that. But um, no, we, we have we do have some control over that. But they they learn that stuff. That's 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 you know that's kind of the beauty of motion. I think it gets better. Makes sense to you, Murph? Definitely. No, that's always and. and... You know, same thing, like, we had Dion that averaged, like, over 16 points a game. And, like you said, the stats, you have some dude that shoots, like, 25 from three. Dion was shooting in the 30s. Like, the math tells you for our team, that's the better shot. He needs to shoot more, whether yep. it's a lot of emotion or it's a set play to get him a shot. Because, um, like you said, you definitely, when you go to the motion, you do give up a lot of – the freedom of dictating like this is exactly who's getting the shot and exactly from where and everyone knows. So. There, if there's a guy who, who we don't feel has a, has a good feel for who, that at the end of the game, we won't, we won't play him. You know, we just won't play him. He's like, listen, I, I, you, know, you know, there's some times I, think, oh, I love Shaq. Shaq was great. There's times with four minutes to go, Shaq would sit next to me. The best place Shaq could be is like sitting right next to me. Like, Hey man, you're, you're going to sit here. And these guys, and like, I will say this about motion. Like, you can't have five guys out there that are all the same way. They, they're all like um, aggressive, want, you know, looking for shots. You need somebody, somebody out there who, who um, as Morgan Wooten would say, with, you know, weeds the garden or waters the plants. Like this guy gets guys shots, sets screens, cuts well, makes the extra pass, not hunting shots. Like you need a guy out there with the, your good players who knows how to play. We lost a kid this year to a hip surgery in August who, who was that kind of kid for us, and it hurt us because he, he knew um, – when to shoot, when not to shoot, how to get open, and that made, that made our offense better. He might score six points a game, but he made us so much better because he knew how to play, and he, he was not hunting shots. You know, so you can't, if you have five guys hunting shots, <laughs> it's not a, that's not a good motion team. But if you have three guys hunting shots and two guys getting them open, you got a, you got a better chance. Mm. Coach, just to follow up on that, so do you have a rim runner? Do you have a guy running to the rim, and then does he then get out to yep. see up your motion? Yep, and if you go on, if you go on my Twitter, I, uh, there's some good motion clips on my Twitter. Uh, if you go Twitter on there, that's the best, best place to find them. Is we got some motion from from this year and from last year. We I put a lot of stuff on there, and so 
we have, it depends on the, on the personnel. Like we have a kid, a big, a big, a big, heavy 260 pound five man. He's a rim runner because that's, he's not a shooter. So we, we have him, rim, he's, he's a great, he's a great rim runner. So he will rim run. If it's not a layup, he's got to get out of there. Yeah. He's not staying at all. He does not stay. We don't stay in post at all. He's got to get out of there. Either gets a layup or he is getting out to the three or he can back screen. Love to have him back screen his way out of the post. Like go set up just to get our motion going. He'll go set immediate back screen for a guy in the perimeter and get us, get some movement early on. But then if he's behind the ball, he can drag ball screen. He can screen, he can screen away. He can flare. And then if, if you don't have a rim runner, which you know, it depends on person. We have, we have two rim runners. Chris, we have, we have two five men who are rim runners. Everybody else, we're going corners, slots, point guard, throw the ball ahead right into our offense. We're not, we're not rim running on that. But like, if I got a guard who's ahead of the pack, I don't mind him running the rim. You know, if he's got, if he sees something, he can run the rim. Then just, just get the, just get out of there. Like we, do, we don't stay, we don't stay in post. We don't, we don't want to stay in, 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 in clog things up. So it's just either, either, either lay up or get out. I'm sorry. I, I got one more. So are you, you, ha you have a numbered break. Are you just going and it's just the, whoever can get out quickest is yep. gone. Yep. yep. We have, we're not, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't know. It's not numbered. It's not, it's not, we have a point guard and everybody else is pretty much, it's like our five men will call him our rim runner. So if, it, for like the kid Kevin Lynch, he's not really a five man. He's he's a rim runner. So because he's a his his um his role or what he does well. Hey, Kev's if Kev's ahead of the pack, he's going to rim run. Um, but I wouldn't make like we have this kid in Venezuela who's a good player. He's not a rim runner because he's not going to you know he's not going to run hard all the time there. So let's just just run wide. You can drag ball screen. We can scream. We can we can flare for you. Um, depends on the personnel. So we we do we do not have a numbered break. We know we have a point guard. We have a point guard, find our point guard and go. Otherwise, we're just going wide right into our motion offense. So we don't, we don't, the numbers we have are, are we have to number guys in the, in the press. We don't number one offense at all. Just the numbers are for the press. So, and I'm going, and I think about next year, we've always had our, like a quote, our four man take the ball out of bounds. I'm thinking about like NBA teams, just the, the closest guy takes it out and just go. Closest guy just, just because well, what's the point of having a certain guy take it out? Like, it's like, hell, let's just get it out as quick as we can. And, and just get it in and, and let's and let's go after a made shot. So although we're not we don't really focus a whole lot on running after makes because that's kind of means you just got scored on. So I'm not as concerned about running after makes, but I'd like to, to be a little more aggressive that way. So I'm I'm kinda looking at doing that for next year. Awesome. Dakota, do you have uh you got a question for coach? Yeah, thanks for joining us tonight, Coach. Um, quick question. I think I'm the last one. It's where do you guys uh, – where do you think your kids learn the best? So I went from college to high school, and my time got chopped a lot. Yeah. So I was always trying to figure out, okay, you seem to do a lot of five-on-fives, but you said you don't stop it. Um, and then I, you, 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 and you also mentioned you were big on film. Um, but where do you feel like guys learn the best? Is it breakdown drills, film, just, you know? Good question. Um, so we started doing this a little bit last couple of years. We, we kind of stopped stretching. I think stretching is the biggest waste of time there is sometimes. So when we stop stretching, we'll come in and we shoot the first 10 minutes of practice. We'll shoot because the guys want to – they come in. If you, if you let them shoot, they, they get loose. They enjoy it. It's fun. And then we go, we go a lot of like our, our offense, our motion. We'll go 3-on-0 and then 5-on-0 with our offense and kind of break down our cuts, like, you know, to our motion cuts. Here's a, let's, let's, so we'll go three on no, let's hit, hit the wing, make an inside cut, um, reverse the ball, let's set a flare, 
just kind of, you know, there's a million things you can do in motion and kind of do that three on O and then we do it five on O and we get right into practice, right into practice. So I think the, so my, I think the three on O and the five on O before practice has helped us kind of like work on our offensive stuff there. And then, like you said, we get into five on five fairly quickly in practice. Like we'll get into five on five probably within the first, like after that segment's over, we'll do some skill stuff. We'll definitely do some skill development stuff, but we get into five on five pretty quickly, hit that hard, then go to some breakdown stuff, then back to some five on five, then do some breakdown stuff. I think guys don't have a, you know, a, a, a 10 minute drill is a long drill for today's day and age. Like guys just don't want to listen and, and concentrate for, for 10 minutes. So we don't try to, like, if we did skill development for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you might lose them. So we try to hit something hard. Like, hit, we're going to work on, let's say we're, we're going to work on coming off flare screens. We might work on that for five minutes in the middle of practice, you know, and then go back to five on five and then go back to like coming off a ball screen, you know, coming off ball screens and then go back to five on five. If you go ball screens, flare screens, sometimes you lose them by doing too much breakdown shit, you know? Um, so I think, I think that the fact that we, we try to get short segments, um, mixing the breakdown stuff, we do a lot of stuff. Um, you can do this in college and, you know, you get during the day, we have guys come in with us and they'll watch tape, but we'll also, we'll go on the court and we'll, we'll sometimes in motion or even the press too, we'll take four coaches and one player and just go on the court and say, Hey, let's, let's walk through, you know, and, and ask them what, what's, what's giving you trouble. Like what's, what's causing you problems here? Why are you not understanding this? What's, what's, what's holding you up? And they can ask some questions. Guys have a lot of questions that they're sometimes in, I think one of the most overrated things I think sometimes is team film. I think team film can be, can be bad. And it's hard because, I mean, you guys are coaching high school. You guys are coaching high school. And so you, can't, you don't have time. Or even Division three, you don't have time. But, like, I want guys to come in on with, with, with one, guy, one player at a time and, and let's watch the film and tell me which, what's, what's causing. And then they'll start talking. They'll, they'll talk. They'll talk one-on-one or one-on-two. It's a team thing. Hell, half of them, half of them aren't paying attention. Um, and most of them don't think it's them that's wrong. It's, they think it's somebody else that we're talking to, that they're wrong, you know. Um, and so they're, they're not even, like, like, locked in. So, like, sometimes team, like our team film is fairly short. But then what, during the day, I'll, I'll say to a coach, hey, take these three guards and make sure you watch some film with these three guys a day um, individually to try to help them. And so I think that's important. Okay. But, um, you know, I think the five-on-five, five, like you say, well, I don't – I do stop it. Like, I shouldn't say I – I just don't tell them, let's say, you should have done this. I'll, I'll stop it and say, hey, here's this situation here now. This is a situation you, – you could have done this or you could have done this, but it's you – know, what did you see here? We'll ask that question. What was, what was your point being there? Which, which was better? And then kind of, and we'll, we'll, go, and we'll go back up and down again after that and do more of that stuff five on five. But it um, depends on your team, too. You guys know how it is. Sometimes you have guys that are, you know – talk more, ask more questions. Some guys are more quiet and they bitch and moan in the locker room all the time. You got to go talk to them. You know, it's just like, it depends on the guys. Like it depends on their mentality. It's, it's you know, I've had, I've been lucky. We've had guys um, who really, really love basketball. Like our, our older guys will teach younger guys stuff. So I'll come in and, and like, I'll walk in before practice. And one of the guys will be walking a kid through our press or showing them something without even me saying anything to him. And that, that helps a lot. That's a good, People say like, "What's what's a good culture? A good culture when you have guys doing that kind of stuff. Like that's that's good stuff right there, you know." Tobin, I have a, a question since Dan asked two, so um, and I only got to ask one. <laughs> um, one question is: I heard you mention about your father being your coach. Yep. 
um, currently my wife and I, we have a child and I'm his coach. And so, you know, recently I had let him, he's in Houston during the quarantine and, you know, he just wasn't following up. Um, our program seemed eerily similar with the consequences and stuff like that. So my first part is, um, and you can answer either one. One is how, how did that dynamic work with your father being a coach, right? I'm his mom as a coach. The second one, um, I am at Ohio State. We were in a, a, a we call it yellow now, but a one two a one two one one press with the four here. And yep. I'm big on conditioning. And um, how do you know, like, when it's an overkill? Because we, because we press so much. And Ben and Chris to tell you, like, we are a pressing team. Because I want to get the most – we get about 70 to 80 possessions a game. We score between 90, 80. On a, and if it's a good game against a team that's on our level, we'll score like 60, 70. But if it's a team where, you know, they're just outmatched, if I don't hold my kids back, we could score 100 easily. Easily. Yeah. And um, so the one is how do you know as a coach you're not overkilling because I feel like two years ago when we lost in the championship game, I felt like, and I shared this with the fellas, that I it was my fault because I thought their legs were tired. You know what I mean? And yep. that was something that I still wrestle with, you know, as a coach and as a former player. It's certain shit you just don't ever forget. Yep. You'll be 90 in your rocking chair, and you'll be like, in 1995, <laughs> yeah. this happened, you know? So yeah. those are my two questions, if you can. Yeah. Let me answer the, the second, second part first um, about the press and stuff. Like, yeah, so we take, we take usually an extra off day in February and March. So if we're going to go, we're going pra- to practice hard. If we're not going to go hard, we'll just take the, day, take the day off. If we feel like we're tired or we're worn down, we'll just say, listen, we're not going to practice today. Four years ago, we won 21 games in a row. We were, we were six, and four at, six and four at Christmas and not playing well. We came back, we, and we had all that the break time. We started – the day before a game, we started shooting and not practicing. We would, we'd shoot and watch film, and we won 21 games in a row. Now, I'm not saying it's the reason we won 21 games in a row, but, like, our guys were in such a great rhythm. We stopped practicing the day before a game and just had them shoot and watch film. And – um, cause you know, the day before a game, sometimes you want to, it's like hard, you try to judge, Hey, are their legs tired? Are they, are you going too much? And so this took that, that, that gray area out of it. And we just kind of like, we just would shoot and, and guys, and then the next year guys, we didn't do that. And we, and we haven't done that since then, but, um, I take days off, like, especially into January, February, March, I think it, nothing's ever happened bad from a day off. I think, I think guys, there's never a time you come up a day off. So man, I, we, we should have had that day off. Like days off are, are huge. And that's not just for the physical part. That's what I've gotten. I've gotten older else. So I've kind of gotten smarter. Um, like mentally, it's such a huge thing. Like they, no, no basketball today. Like then they'll, then they'll come by, they'll see. And like a lot of guys will still come in and shoot. But like I give them, I give them that extra day off um, during that period. And then we don't condition as much as the year goes along. Mm-hmm. And like you said, because of the press, like we'll do a segment 20 minutes into practice. We go up and down for let's say four minutes. And that might be all we do as far as going up and down, but I won't stop it, and they'll be exhausted, and that, that's enough right there. You know, we mm. short practice. We really short practice. We might go, we might go for, for 45 minutes to 50 minutes based on that. I, I definitely think – I agree with you. I think more games are lost by overworking guys than underworking them. There's no doubt in my mind. And that's what so do that, you do to shoot it around? So do you do – like in high school, I talked to Ben about this. This year I couldn't 
I was big on shoot around. Like I'm, I'm teaching them how I learned to be a pro, right? You do shoot around the day, but I felt like with this group, if it was a away game, um, I would shoot around because we have the gym in the morning, we'll have to be at seven to 8 AM. Yep. So I started to like give them that day off. We, we didn't do shoot arounds, but working in the public school sector, you go to a game and you'll get there and they'll give you 10 minutes to warm up. And it's really yeah. no, yeah. you know, there's no shoot around, yeah. but if I'm at home, I have the gym and I, I pushed what I did to work with the PSA. I pushed all my games back to five 30. So I can use that three to five o'clock slot or three to four 30 slot for them to just get in and shoot. I'm not in there nagging them. I'm in my room preparing for the yep. game, writing notes. So you do, so essentially you're doing two shoot arounds is what I'm hearing. Or do no, you not I'm, shoot around the day of the game? No, we shoot the day of the game too. So, we'll, so the day, bef- day before the game, we would just shoot and watch film. The day of the game, we do a shoot around, but our shoot arounds are, are very, are very um, quick, like probably 35, 40 minutes. We don't okay. do anything on the opponent that day. It's all about us. Just kidding. And it's like more of a feel good thing. Like we, we kind of like, you know, hey, get the guys feeling good, shoot some shots. Um, we, we play knockout. A lot of times we'll play knockout at some point. We'll shoot half court shots. We'll just do something stupid. Um, that's more of a feel good thing. And the one thing you have in college, we get, we, we get plenty of time to warm up for our games. We have plenty of time to get locked in and do our, do our stuff. So that, that part's better. But um, no, listen, it's, as you know, all you guys have been coaching for a while like it's it's a fine line between how much doing too much and I'm always worried as a head coach you're always worried like man I hope we're I hope we're not um worn down you know I hope and I, you know I, I mean it's when you're younger it's like I, hope, I used to worry like are we not prepared prepared enough now it's like man I don't want to be I don't want to be worn down I do I want to make sure we're fresh mentally and like what's been good for us is like I think every year our guys have wanted to keep on playing it in March where some teams like I, we tell them all the time most teams want to go home in February. They're done. They're sick. Of, they're sick of the coach. They're sick of each other. They're sick of. They're sick of all this stuff. They want to go home, right? It's like I'm sick of this shit. Let's just. Let's just <laughs> our guys have been pretty good about like, you know, they enjoy coming to practice. But we 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 take days off. Like we'll have two days off. We go short. Um, you know, we don't grind them as much. And that's where the film. We want we watch more some more film and stuff like that. So that that's been that's a fine listen, that's a fine line. And I, I'm never like you said. I'll, we lost – I'll tell you this story. We, we were playing RPI in the conference tournament. I was at Clarkson my – no, Hamilton, my fourth year. And we were 20 and 5, had a, having a good year. And we do a thing at the end of practice called three stops. I'm sure a lot of people do it. Three stops. You have to get three stops in a row to get off, right? So we're doing three stops, and we cannot get three stops. They were, they were for a game. Cannot get three stops. We might have gone 50 possessions. And so, like, do I cut it short and look soft, or do I let it go? Do I let it go? <laughs> And like we're gonna get freaking three stops no matter what. So I let I let it go, and we got beat the next day. And I think we're just like you said. I'll, I'll be 95 years old if I can live to be able. And I'm like I'll regret that that day of practice for as long as I live. I'll say I I lost that game. I screwed that game up. And so I, that's always in my my mind. So we don't do three stops there for a game because just because I'm, I'm worried. Like I'm I'm gonna be like you look you look soft if you stop you look soft right. Like, like oh, I, should, I shouldn't have stopped it. So um um yeah I definitely have that in my mind all the time. Don't don't wear them down. Make sure they're fresh. Make sure they're mentally ready to go. My assistant coaches talk to them all the time. I can just just kind of get a feel for how they're doing today. How they're you know tough day. You know, girlfriend broke up with them. Had flunked a science test. Um, yeah. You know, they're worn. They're tired. We get a feel that way. You know. So thank you. And then the next the next part, coaching your kid. That's Jesus. That's a, so my son is fourteen. Right. <laughs> I um I was coaching his team, and he's like a, 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 he was like eight years old, nine years old, and I hated it. I <laughs> hated it like like because i'm trying to get him to like 
do things and he wouldn't want to listen to me. And I was, and I, and like, I don't think he, so now my assistant coaches his AU team and I just watch. It's so much better that way. Now, with that being said, I love playing for my father. Like I wouldn't trade that for a million years. He pushed me. He was great. But my mentality was like, I, I wanted to be pushed. I wanted, I wanted to work hard. I love basketball. So that part, I love playing for my father. I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I, I enjoyed that more than anything. I, I have more great memories. And now listen, there were some definitely hard parts where, you know, he was hard on me and tough on me. But, like, I, I kind of wanted that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I, I love that part. Now, but me coach my son who's, who's not – he loves basketball. He's not, like – he's not living and dying like I was. So we kind of were butting heads, and I'm like, now it's, it's much better now. So we, we shoot together, and I do stuff like that, but I don't, I don't try to, like – until he comes to me and says, hey, tell me this or show me this, then I'll, then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to kind of let him get a feel for it. So but that's, geez, that's, a, that's a complicated question there too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's tough because, um, you know, when my wife and I got together, he didn't play basketball, he played football. So then yeah. I teach him how to play, and now he's like telling me. And I'm like, how the hell are you telling the person who taught you how to play? <laughs> but like even Benson, I'm laughing because Benson – now comes to he comes to me. He's like, I want to work with Coach Green. <laughs> yeah, I have the toughest time co- coaching my son. I, I send him, I send him to to L all the time. You know. Yeah, I was just looking mm-hmm. for advice because you know, and these kids that you know at that age they don't. Know, my son is seventeen. He doesn't know how to separate basketball coach from mom. Now he feels like he just doesn't want to talk to me. He's in Houston. I'm like, yo, dude, you're not gonna call me and check on me. Well, I'm not a part of the team, so I don't give a damn about the team right now. You know, we do our Zoom calls. We do three Zoom calls a day. He's not there. My wife's like, why is he not on a Zoom call? I'm like, because his fucking ass is suspended because he's an asshole. And she's like, well, he gets that from you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, oh, you know. Nice. My, son you. Started, my son started playing lacrosse a couple years ago. I'm like, oh, please play lacrosse. Like, please. Because I, I know nothing about lacrosse. I go watch lacrosse. I'm like, I, I have no idea what the hell the rules are. But I'm like. That's the best. I just, I just watch it. Like, hey, he's, he's playing hard. He's running hard. Like, just play, play freaking lacrosse. Like, do that. That'd be great for me, you know? <laughs> okay. Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate of it. Of course. Alex, you, you got a question? Yeah, Coach. Um, I've, I've been the head coach at St. Peter's Prep for, for about six years now. And um, uh, it's been a struggle for me to get our guys to get to uh, a D2 school. And me personally, I feel I feel like I have a huge disconnection with Division two coaches. Like I don't, I don't like like Division three coaches. Those come to the gym, and obviously the D ones. You know, I've had prospects that played D one. I have currently a good player right now in the twenty twenty two class, and and I talked to a lot of D one coaches. I spoke to a lot of D three guys. Uh, you might be the guy that I've. I've watch the most and I've gone to the clinics and you all are in New York. So the New Jersey, it's a huge disconnection with some of these schools and coaches. So I don't know if I should think different or I don't know how the division two recruitment goes because I've tried to get in contact with some of these schools. Yeah. I think yeah. you you guys a couple of years ago were going after Brandon. Yep. And, and nobody Caldwell, Bloomfield, Felician uh, none of them guys were knocking them out, though. You guys were, like, hoping that he had a decent year because he would definitely have been a D2 guy, but he had a good year, so he went to Army. Yeah. But, um, like, how like like how should I uh, go about it? Or, like, how do you guys recruit? Yeah. something that I would like to find out. Yeah. Um, 
Well, you know, it's, 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 um, I got a lot, a lot of respect for, for good programs. Like we try, whenever I get a guy who does well, it comes from a good program. Like, you know, your, your place or St. Anthony's or like, you know, it's St. Seton Hall prep and, you know, place like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, you know, we try to do the best we can. The problem we have in the metro area, there's so many good programs. It's hard to like, you know, like I told you, like our, our biggest thing is our team we have for the year. So I don't, I don't like to be at, be out like it all over the place. Like I can't be gone all the time. So we try to get our assistant coaches out. Um, I think a lot of guys in division two and low division one are so consumed with these transfers, you know, and, I, and they want to get transfers and they want to, they want to bring in guys um, who are older. And I tell you this, all the guys we've had at stack, the best guys have all been four year guys. They've, they've not been, when I got the job, like I hadn't, Alex, I hadn't been in division two. I've been in division three as a head coach and then division one. I hadn't been in division two. So some people are like, well, you gotta get transfers. You gotta get transfers. You know, you have to get, I didn't want to get transfers. And part of that is, um, when you're pressing and running motion, guys need time to learn that stuff. So like by the time, if you get a two-year guy, by the time he gets, learns it in one year, obviously he's a senior, he's leaving after one year. So I'd prefer four-year guys. Um, so maybe we're a little different. Like now with this whole, this whole pandemic, it's been like everybody's living in the transfer portal. Everybody's going to the portal and taking – that's Division One too. There are so many good high school players that are out there right now that are like under-recruited because everyone wants transfers. So I don't – you know, and like we signed, we signed six guys – Five of them are five of them are um, high school seniors. Five of them are are um, going to be freshmen next year. One kid's a transfer from from Georgia, who's like a he's nothing special, but he's a tough, hard nosed, takes charges, dives on the floor like he's a winner. So we didn't, you know, um, that that's more important than anything else. So I think I think for you, like like I'm surprised you haven't like Bloom, Bloomfield's done a good job. Gerald's done a good job there. I'm surprised, surprised they, they haven't been involved as much. Like he's. I don't know where he recruits from. He always gets guys that I don't know about so much, you know. Um, I think Division Two guys wait till late sometimes, too, on guys. So maybe that's part of the deal is they wait till the season's over. To, we do a lot of stuff in the summer. We're hoop group. We're at, we're at the camps. They use stuff. So we try to get stuff early on on guys. Um, but, I, I mean, I think for you, like, just, just you know, find a couple programs that are, that are you know, that you, that you have, you know, the coach a little bit, you have a little bit of faith in that are good places and try to connect with those those people, you know. But I don't – I don't want you to connect with too many people. And that's, that, that, doesn't help me. that doesn't help me at all. So, I mean, I want well, to. Like, no, like, 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 for example, I think you guys had a camp in the fall. Yep. I think some of my guys went. Yep. You guys, like, in, in August. Yeah. Elite. Yeah, like, they went, but I'm not trying to knock the D2 programs in New Jersey, but it's, it's a little different. Like, yeah. like, not for nothing, but I shouldn't have to go to New York all the yep. way. No. camp when I have all these schools here, and that's where. It's you know it's weird like that's that's my thing and and one one more question quick one how how do you get to keep Reyes for four years at your school yeah what did you do I think that's a great question we've had we've had a really good player we had Chaz Walter from Malloy who ended up being a two thousand point score we got two kids now Mount Vernon kid and his kid Osbo Carabao from Venezuela who's a really good they're di- they're Division one players you know I think, yes they I are think part of the deal is that like and the L talked about this we like if they have a good experience and they enjoy it like. People would come to Reyes, parents would come to Reyes who's at our camp, at our day camp, and these parents are idiots. They're like, hey, Reyes, why aren't you transferring to Division One? You can play, you can play, you know, and he scored 28 against St. John's. He's a sophomore. He scored 28 points at 18 rebounds and dominated. Now, St. John's was terrible at that time, but he dominated a Big East team as a sophomore, right? And he never thought one second about leaving. Like, he never, and he's like, these people love me. They trust, they trust. So, so a parent said, hey, why don't you leave? And he's like, I love it here. Why would, why would I leave these people? They, 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 I had no scholarship offers. I came here. Um, 
they stuck their neck out for me. They gave me a scholarship, but like, and I'm happy here. So I think our guys enjoy the experience. I think they enjoy what we do. Like, it's always in the back of my mind, though. I've got to do a good job making sure. I'm not trying to kiss their ass either. You know, it's like, hey, like, we, we're going to win. Um, winning's important. You know, we, you guys, we've all been there before. When you're running 25 games, you're winning. It's, it's a lot more fun doing that than going to some half-ass program where you're going 5-20. Five and, five and 20. So we try to sell them on the winning um, and make it a good experience and, and just try to make them feel – and, like, listen, half my guys, they don't have fathers. You know, and, they're in the, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of PSAL coaches are in the same boat, too. Like, half my guys, their fathers are not even at home. So, like, you know, them coming to my house for dinner, that goes a long ways. Like, they, you know, they, being around my kids, like, like, we're there. If they want something, we're always there for them. You know, we, like, all, if, they, if something happens, with, with, I'll, I'll stick up for them. I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll support them. I'm, I'm there for them. You know, like, like, that goes a long ways. When I was coaching at Hamilton, I'm not saying anything bad about the NESCAC, like, high academic school, kind of like an Ivy League school. Those kids, their dads were like investment bankers making millions of dollars a year. They, they were fine with, with, with me or without me. You know, I, I didn't – they're going to they're gonna get a job no matter what. These kids, like, they kind of like – they see as like another, another, you know, their father figure or a person in their lives. They got to understand that you care about them, you know, beyond just basketball. I think the guys who have played for us, would, I think guys would say that too, you know. Um, and Murph, like Murph had, you know, the kid Shaq from St. Anthony's, man. And listen, he, he, he was never perfect. Like, he, you know, he drove me fucking crazy. But um, we, stuck, we stuck in there with him. We hung in there for him. He graduated. Like, that's, you know, we made sure he graduated. Like, he, he scored 1,000 points. He was all conference. Like, that was not easy, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> Murph, I mean, there's the guy, guys are not. And, like, we've lost some guys along the way, too. We've lost, we've lost good kids who have not made it. Um, so that, that sucks. That sucks too. So it's like, you know, you just you do the best you can. And, you know, I think right now with the, with the way the climate is, kids are always, you know, the, the Twitter stuff and like, Hey, my guy, got, you know, my buddy got an offer from this place or my buddy left to go here. And it's such a peer, so peer pressure, such a big thing, you know? So it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to fight that off a little bit. So we, we just try to be as engaged as we can and we're here for you and, and that kind of thing. So it's, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Uh, thanks, Coach. Yeah. I, I think there is such this uh, – I, I, Alex kind of touched on it, but there's like this enigma around Division Two. I can't tell you how many times a, a player walks into the program and tells me they're going to play at a high major D1 school, and it's their first year playing basketball on the varsity level, and they're a junior, and they're thinking in two years they're, they're playing at Duke or, you know, Carolina, you know. <laughs> um, but then, as Alex said, like everybody knows like the D3s and a lot of people are pushing how the D3 is like, you know, really good basketball, which I think it is. You know, can you like, how does D2 fit into it? You, you know, and like, why is it getting lost? Kind of like there, there's this enigma that 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 I see. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, like I told you, I hadn't been in Division Two till I got here. So I was kind of like. Um, the gap between Division Two and Division Three, and I, and I played Division Three, so I'm not trying to, trying to, you know, I played Wesleyan, and, and, and I thought I was a pretty good player, but you know, I was whatever. But like the gap between Division Two and Division Three is is a pretty good, you know, it's scholarship compared to non-scholarship is pretty is a pretty big gap. The gap between Division Two and Division One is not much, not much at all. You know, there's there's not a, there's not a big gap there. I mean, Merrimack this year, Merrimack was Division Two, was was top ten in our region. And they go in first year a Division One in the NEC with Robert Morris and St. Francis. 
and they win that league their first year in the NEC. They won the league this year. They can't go to the NCAA tournament because of the um, because of the um, the, the when, they, when you move when you move up, you have to sit it for like five years. They won the freaking league, and they were like they lost like twelve games last year in Division Two. So I didn't know how good it is, but, but when you have scholarship, like we have scholarships, like our team, our our team next year will have a kid from Greece, um, two kids from Venezuela, our, our two guards from South Carolina, our point guard's a stud from Mount Vernon, um, two kids out of Chicago. When you have scholarships, you can go a lot of different places. So the, ta- the talent level is really, is really high. You know, I mean, I think, I think we'd be able to compete against the, the – you know, we beat St. John's by 32. You know, now they weren't any good, but it's still St. John's. You know, I mean, um, once we beat them – we haven't had we haven't been able to have another another Division One team play us since since that happened. Like no no one will, no one will play us. I call teams all the time and nobody nobody will play us. So we we beat them by thirty two and we also got a check for fifteen thousand dollars. So they had to pay us fifteen thousand and we beat them. So um, my AD said to me as, as soon as the game was over, like, well, there goes that fifteen thousand dollar payday. He was more mad we lost that we beat them and lost that payday than we actually um, went in the game. So yeah, no, it's it's I don't know if Division Two does enough stuff. To promote themselves and to get themselves out there as much and, and do as, do as, as, you know, our, our elite eight is great. No, that stuff's great, but there's probably more they could do. The problem, like I think Chris alluded to this too, that there, there's, there's some bad division two teams out there, like some schools that don't offer enough scholarships. They just get their tails kicked. And that, that's, that, that kind of hurts a little bit, I think overall, you know, but um, it's, it's, it's really good basketball. Like there it's the highest level, you know, there's, there's a, you know, a kid, kid was at mercy, Brian Griffin, um, Mercy won like five games this year. He's going to Xavier next year as a grad transfer. He's going to Xavier. Uh, Damon has a big kid who's an All-American who could have played at any place in the country. You know, Reyes could have played, could have played any place. So there's, there's some really good players. I, mean, I, I, I think we have better talent at um, Stack now than we had when I was at Siena, my, my, uh, my first year at Siena, which is, you know, Mac, Mac level. So um, now the difference is little, those schools are a little bit bigger, more size and things like that. But, no, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, like, We've done, and Alex says, we've done a lot to get our pro. We have, we have a tip-off dinner, which draws like 250 people to it, which has been huge. We've had Pete Gillen spoke, Fran Franchella, um, Seth Greenberg. You know, we, we do a spring clinic we do with all with coaches. We do, we do an elite camp. We do, camp, we, we do a lot of stuff. We do a newsletter. We do a ton. That's from my background of Division One and, and Division you know, So, so we, we do a lot. Like, we try to, make, we try to you know, Murph knows we, we were doing shit all the time to get people involved. But if we didn't do that, you kind of get lost sometimes because no one else is going to do it for you, you know? Um, you kind of have to do those kind of things, you know? If it, and, like, we, we tell our guys this all the time. Like, we're going we're gonna to treat this program like it's the best program in the country. You know, we're going to do special things and make this special for you because they, they want to they be in a place where they, they feel like we're doing extra things, you know? And that's, that's – you, ha- you have to. You have to. Otherwise, otherwise you know, guys get – they don't like it. Yeah, I just always feel like, uh, you know, there's like this enigma. It's like yep. everyone's like D1 or D3 and D2 is yep. getting lost. And I definitely feel like there is good basketball out there. Murph, it looks like you, uh, you have a question. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and I'm with that 100% too, because those guys on Merrimack all played at St. Anthony. And you'd be wondering, you know, I was coaching there at the time. And you'd be wondering, like, why, are, why is no one – taking the Javaris Hayes or okay, Idris is undersized at six four, but he really knows how to play. And people don't I think this is my opinion. Um, it's a lack of education about the division two level. And then 
I don't know what they call now, like clout. Like everyone thinks like division one is the be all end all. But if you look at, okay, like at Monmouth, we got a great situation with the facilities. Quinnipiac is nice. Sienna Tobin knows you're playing the time unit center. Like, but when you start going to some of these other gyms or you go to like some NEC gyms, they're not winning any facility awards either. So people just don't really understand what's what um, when it comes to that stuff, people that are helping the kids make all these decisions. But my question is, you know, we have a lot of head coaches on here. I've never been a head coach. Um, and Tobin, you alluded to it earlier, talking about your staff. We had this um, kind of like trainer manager at St. Anthony. We'd have all these like old guys that kind of knew Coach Hurley from back in the day that would travel with us and do the water, the towels. One of them, Bob Sears, would be like, why do you think Coach Hurley has so many assistants? Um, you think one man does all that himself? And that totally was untrue. He did that just to joke on him. It really was like a conductor with the orchestra. But um, where's Alex? Alex, the new St. Anthony, he's got like the deepest bench in Jersey. You have more coaches in high school than you can have at the NCAA level. There's no NJSIAA restrictions on how deep your bench can be with staff. But, Coach, what are some of the things that you look for? You know, you've had guys that have gone on to be like prep school head coaches. Staffman was at Monmouth, you know. Um, what are some things that you look for when you're hiring coaches? And then, like, how do you try to develop your assistants? So my, my first assistant, Matt Kingsley, is now the associate head coach at Yale. He's, he's, oh, Yale's done well. Yeah, no, Matt. No, Matt was, yeah, no, exactly. He's, that is, yeah. He the Wesleyan. He's now the associate head coach at Yale. I've got Joe Watilko, head coach at Wells, Division Three. Jason Leone, head coach at Oswego State. They've been really good. Um, they've been in the NCAAs like four or five times the last five years. And, uh, head coach there, um, Rob Tosti, prep school head coach at Pomfret. Um, a guy who's working for the Heat now is a, is a, is a um, video guy with the Heat. Uh, who am I missing? Yeah, so I've had a, a bunch of guys that have done well. Um, I think, I think, and this is what I'll say about, I think a lot of times in Division One, when teams don't win, when they don't win, and there's a lot of teams that don't win, I think the staff chemistry is a huge part of the problem. I think staffs at Division One sometimes, and I'm not trying to be, trying to be you know, negative about Division One. I just think the staff – that's probably true of Division Two, Division Three. The chemistry of the staff is guys are trying to – my recruit or my scouting reporter, my, my this or my that. Like, you got to – if you want your team to be unselfish, you got to have a staff that's unselfish too. So we ask guys on the staff, like, listen, we're not, we're not into, hey, I got a guy from, from you know, from Alex. Alex, we got a player from Alex. Well, it's, not, it's, not, it's not this guy, our guy or this guy. It's St. It's, it's Thomas Aquinas's guy, you know. If we're scouting, we're going to play Bridgeport, and we beat Bridgeport. It was, you know, it was it was Ben Scouting Report. It's not Ben Scouting Reports. It's we beat Bridgeport. You know, um, you hear that a lot of Division One. I. I think staff chemistry is huge. So I want guys. I want guys that I can I can trust that are unselfish, that are good guys, that are not like in that whole that all that bullshit. You know, you get most of the time guys in Division One. I, I keep saying that, but most guys, bad assistants, are looking for the next job. They're constantly looking for the next job. Like, how do I get my next job? As opposed to just doing a great job where they're at, right? Just do a great job. Just win where you're at now, and then good things will – if you want good things to happen, good things will happen. Um, they're constantly looking for the next, the next thing as opposed to doing their job. So I want guys who, who can teach. I want, I want coaches who can teach. I want guys who, who are going to obviously work hard. I want guys who 
who can bring something to the table that can make us better. And I think I've gotten better as I've gotten older, letting guys have more of a say in things, like letting them speak more, letting them have more of a voice. I'm not a big, hey, in practice, I'm the only guy that can speak. I said, if you got something to say, like freaking say it. Say, speak, speak up. Say what's, say what's going on. Say what's on your mind. Like don't, don't be um, – don't just sit there, you know. I try to give my guys in practice a role. Like I'll say, let's say we're working on, you know, three things in practice. I'll have one assistant coach just in charge of offensive rebounding. And like, listen, you watch offensive rebounding today. If you see something where a guy who's supposed to go, supposed to crash is not crashing, like call him out. Like tell me, tell them, you know, say it. Like you know, one guy's in charge of our tippy toe, our defensive transition. Um, speak up, say, say something. So I try to give guys distinct roles the last thing you want in practice is four guys watching like I'm watching. I'm trying to watch everything. You can't have four guys watching everything. You need to have three or four guys watching one thing in particular and then let me kind of watch everything or I'm watching the offense or something like that. So I try to give my assistants exact, distinct roles in practice. Um, and then I give them power. Like I want – so for me, we play – Chris asked about how many, how many guys we play. We play nine or ten guys. Um, I don't do the subs. I let I have my, my, my associate head coach, Matt Capel, he subs the big guys. And my other assistant coach, Connor Burchard, who's been with me the longest besides Matt, he subs the guards. Because in a game, things are happening too fast. I don't want to be worried about substitutions or, you know, I've got a kid, you know, I've got a kid sitting out for five minutes and should have been back in the game. So I let those guys handle substitutions, but it gives them a little bit of power. They have a little bit of a little bit of um autonomy as far as like making decisions now of course I have I have input and I'll be like why the hell is this guy not in the game why is this guy not I mean there's definitely some some conversations we have about that so um and like if a, if a, one of my assistant coaches is doing a workout I might stop up there and, and watch the workout for a little bit I don't try to step on their toes or try to like tell them what to do I give them some like like I'll give you a good example. Rob Tosti was my assistant, who's, who's great. Played for me in Hamilton. He's a head coach at Pomfret now. He used to do this drill with Shaq. I keep bringing up Shaq because Shaq's a good guy to talk about. And he would have the guy catch the ball and dribble through his legs three times. He'd go through his legs, one, two, three, and then shoot. And I'd watch this drill, and I hated it. I freaking – I'm like, this is the stupidest drill I've ever seen before, right? So I'm watching Toast do this drill. He did it all the time. I said, why do you – why do you like this drill? He said, well, I used to do it myself and I used to play. It was good. So I'm like, okay, fine. And I'm like, I don't kill him. Let him do the deal. What's it going to kill for him to do that drill if he th thinks it's good and Shaq liked it too? So like I give guys a little bit of power to make decisions, to have some, some, uh, a voice with the, with the coaching, with the, um, with the players that I'm not the only voice. And then that, and that's, I think that's helped me too, where I could not be all the time the heavy guy you know, I'm, I'm there enough. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hands-on kind of person. So for me to, to be able to take a step back sometimes is good for the, good for the team. <laughs> they don't have to always hear me, my voice all the time, but those are just a couple of things that I do, but I've, I've gotten, I tell you, I've gotten guys are like, I've been lucky. I mean, my guys don't make any money at all. You know, it's like, they're not, I got my associate head coach is full time. The other two guys are making like less than $10,000 a year and they're there 6 a.m. till midnight, working their ass off. And they don't stay long. They stay for a couple of years. They get a better job. But I've, been, I've gotten great, great assistant coaches. So I think that's just, just being lucky. And, you know, guys want to coach basketball. So, you know, we give them – But I can't bring a guy in from the outside 
to be an assistant and then not give him something to do. You know, I, I got to give him some power. I got to give him some, some juice to, 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 to say and speak and not just be a, and I, I don't want yes, man. I mean, everybody, everybody says that, but like we disagree all the time. And then when we come together, we're all on the same page, but I, I want guys who've got their own, their own thing, you know? Awesome. Appreciate that. Appreciate you sharing. Uh, does anybody else have any more questions for, for Coach Angus? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we have a season. <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah. Thanks, Coach. Yeah. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate right. it. Be, good, Be safe.